went on their way. Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the Lord's word. chapter 10, and Brandon asked me a few weeks ago if I would uh, center in on this text this day, and of course I said yes, uh, and I'm really excited about our text today because uh, we had some time uh, with all of the adult Bible study classes just talking about issues of soul care, and so um, this scripture goes right along with that as a follow-up, and um, I also just want to acknowledge that um, being a little bit newer to the church, I made a new guy mistake today. And uh, that is, man, I forgot, the, I forgot the microphone. So if you guys can just make this one work, is, what do I need to do? Closer. How's that? That better? I'll try to stay put. Um, <clears throat> And so as we go into this text from the end of Luke chapter 10, um, have you ever missed the good portion of something? Sort of like uh, you're taking a young child uh, to the theater, and of course, you know, you're in the movie, and then they need to go to the restroom, so you step out for a minute, and you come back in, and somebody sitting next to you says, oh man, you just missed the best part, you know? Or you're at a baseball game, same thing, you know, you go to get a Coke, and you hear all the cheers and you come back in, your favorite player hit a home run, you know? You missed the good part. I remember it's been um, years ago, but um, uh, when my parents were still living, uh, we lived out of town. And um, so every Thursday night, usually, my parents would call us. And, um, and so uh, I remember one Thursday night, they called us, and I was watching some show on TV, and that's back when you used to watch TV when the shows were actually on at a certain time. And um, I, I, it was a show I wasn't even interested in, but I'm talking to my parents on the phone, and I'm trying to watch this TV show at the same time. And, and then after about 10 minutes, I gave the phone to my wife, and all of a sudden it occurred to me, I have no idea what we talked about for the last 10 minutes. And I thought, man, you know, I, you know, it was a show I wasn't even interested in, and I'd missed the good part of being able to actually have a conversation that was meaningful with my parents. Sometimes we miss the good part spiritually. Uh, and, and here's what it says in Luke 10, 41. The Lord answers, Martha, Martha, you were anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. I, 
I think that we need to be careful with texts like this and others like it because if some have wanted to determine the whole character of Mary and Martha from this one isolated incident uh, that happened uh, in their lives. And, and how would you like somebody to determine your whole character in life on one little snapshot of something that happened in one day of your life. I don't, I don't think we would like that. But some people have concluded out of this that Martha is the worker and Mary is the worshiper. Martha is industrious and she's active and she's constantly about all of the household duties where Mary is indifferent to housework and she's interested only in spiritual matters. But but to make such broad assumptions, I, I think, would be presumptuous. However, there was one day. And in this one day when Jesus visited the home of Mary and Martha, Martha welcomed Jesus and she busily prepared a meal and served him and she was interested in him. But she was in danger of missing what Jesus himself called the good portion or the good part. Um, she, she was overemphasizing secondary matters. And so here's the question today. Not in one excerpt of our lives, but in general, in our own lives, could it be that we might be in danger of missing the good part, the best part, when it comes to our own spiritual lives and spiritual de development. Um, are we like Martha in danger of missing the good portion? And so I got three questions today. Number one is, what is the good part that Jesus is talking about? Uh, what causes us to be in danger of missing the good part of a, of a life of communion with Jesus Christ? And then why is it so important? Uh, why choose the good part? So number one, what is the good part that Jesus is talking about? And we find that in verse 39. It says that, and she had a sister, Martha had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. And, and by the way, we find Mary at the feet of Jesus on other occasions in the Bible in Luke chapter 11, when her brother Lazarus died and Jesus came, uh, she goes and she falls at his feet. And then in Luke chapter 12 also, uh, Mary is uh, 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 at Jesus' feet when she anoints him uh, for his upcoming death. Um, and so uh, we find her sitting at, her, at his feet here, furthering a relationship with Jesus, and it's evident that the good part has more to do with being with Jesus than doing something for him. Mary was listening to him. Uh, she was abiding. We just sang that song, Abide. She was abiding, taking up residence in his presence. She was seeking his wisdom and his fellowship with him. She was furthering her faith and, and, and placing her trust in him. Uh, more than strenuous work and preparations of Martha, you know, Mary was just resting in the presence of Jesus that day. She was choosing the good part, abiding in his presence. Is soaking up his wisdom and truth, uh, 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 placing faith in him. 
and fellowship and love. Uh, the good part, sitting with Jesus, you know. Um, in John chapter 17, verse 3, the scripture says this, and this is eternal life. Now, the Bible's going to define for us what eternal life is right here, and that's, that, I think that take, that's something we need to take note of. And this is eternal life that they not serve you, but this is eternal life that they know you. You know, um, and it says the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And that word know means to understand. It means to have a personal relationship with. That is eternal life, to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And, and to develop that relationship and to live out of that identity that I am his and he is mine and we're related together. That is the good part. You know, our connection uh, to Jesus and, 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 and getting to know him and love him and understand him and grasp his truth and hear his word and sense his direction in our life, that is the good portion. Now, that does not mean that serving Jesus is not important. It's how we serve Jesus that's important. Uh, Jesus never said to Martha, Martha, you have no part. He never said that. Uh, it was just in this instance in her life, she was missing the good part. I'm confident that Jesus appreciated her well-kept house. I'm, I'm, I'm confident Jesus appreciated that she was, you know, making a meal and wanting him to, to feel co uh, comfortable and, and have some substance when, when, when he was there. I'm sure he knew that her busy preparation was an expression of her love for him and care for him but also Jesus did want her to recognize that day that as important as all those things were in her serving in all of her preparation and busyness she was actually missing deeper fellowship with him in doing all those things she she she, she was she was even trying to steal away Mary's uh, um, intimacy with Jesus by saying, hey, Jesus, don't you care that my sister's not up here helping me do all this stuff? Uh, again, please note, this does not mean that our service is not important. You know, by the way, um, we not only grow when we sit at Jesus's feet, we grow when we give and, and, and when we serve. Haven't you noticed that? I mean, you grow when you get the word and a new truth pops into your life but you also grow when, when you give yourself away in service and you realize that it's the Lord who has been making this possible. But there is a way to serve that actually distracts us and keeps us from being able to have that relationship with Christ really active and growing in our lives. And that's what Jesus is concerned about. So, so in no way are we looking at this text and saying, well, service to Jesus Christ is not an important part of our life or our growth because it is. Uh, 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 listen to a couple scriptures here. First um, Peter uh, chapter four verse ten. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. There is a way to serve that actually furthers the glory of God being experienced and lived out in our lives. Jesus said in Matthew chapter twenty verse twenty five. Jesus calls his disciples to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and the great 
ones exercise authority over them, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And so there's a greatness to this service. However, it does us well to stop from time to time and do a little bit of evaluation and ask ourselves, in the midst of my serving and my work and my, my busyness to provide in this world and my, and my activity and the things of ministry that would glorify God, could it be that I'm missing the good part? Could it be that I'm missing the good portion? That thing that comes from abiding in Christ. Um, it, it, it's kind of like being a dad for me a little bit. Uh, sometimes I got to take inventory as a dad, and I had to do this especially when I had children in the home. <laughs> In the midst of making a living and seeking to provide for the family and pay the bills and take care of the insurance and protect the family, there comes a time that, that parents need to ask themselves sometimes, in the midst of everything I'm doing to take care of everything in the household, could it be that I'm missing the good portion? Uh, the portion where we relate together, the portion where we grow together, the portion where we really know each other. We've all heard about people living in the same house, and yet, and yet they grow further and further apart. And could it be that I could be missing the good portion? Uh, Billy Graham, the great preacher, he was asked a few years before he died, if he had an opportunity to live his life over again, would he change anything? And he wrote in one of his books these words. He said, I would study more. I would pray more. I would travel less. I would take less speaking engagements. I took too many of them and too many places around the world. He, he said, if I had it all to do over again, I'd spend more time in meditation and prayer and just telling the Lord how much I love him and adore him and how much I'm looking forward to the time when we can spend eternity together. And so let's take a minute today. Here's the question. In your relationship with Jesus Christ, in the midst of going to church, in the midst of being involved in some ministries along the way, uh, in the midst of seeking to be faithful to the Lord and serving in ministries and being in his word and, or, or, and going to church services and, and, and everything, trying to live right, seeking to be a good witness to those around me, are you in danger of missing the good portion? The part that simply grows in fellowship with Jesus. The, the, the part where we hear his heart and where he begins to transform us on the inside into his image so that we're not just serving him according to our own strength and our own direction, but now our service is an outgrowth of him in us and not just us for him. Are we experiencing the good part of that intimate abiding with Jesus? Um, and not, not only does I think, do I think this text helps us understand what the good part is, uh, this abiding in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, um, I think it gives us some clues as to what causes us as Christians to miss the good part. And that's in verse 40 and 41. There's two key phrases here. And so verse 40 says this, um, but Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you were anxious and troubled about many things. 
So the first phrase is in verse 40. The second one's in verse 41. The first phrase that helps us understand what it is to miss the good part is, is this little phrase in verse 40 where it says, she was distracted with much serving. And what distraction means is to be drawn away or to be drug away. You know, did you know that there's a way to serve in spiritual matters that, drags, that can drag us away from Jesus instead of connect us to Jesus? And so that, that's the key that what I want to see. When our Christian service or the way that we do our Christian life, even good things, when that begins to drag us away from Jesus, something's wrong and something's off base. And for Martha, her preparations and busyness and serving, it was all for Jesus. But Jesus himself said, man, it's dragging you away from me. One of the things that causes Christians to miss the good part, you know, is when we think that just because we're serving Jesus, even out of love for God, we think we're automatically growing closer to him. And I think what we learn here is that our service to Jesus Christ and all of our activity that we do and these things that we call that we're Christians could actually drag us away from him if we're not careful. You say, could that really happen? Okay. Well, let's look at, this, at a scripture in Revelation chapter 2 where Jesus writes several letters to, to several churches uh, that were active in the first century. And this is the letter to the church at Ephesus. This is Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 to 5. Jesus said to this church, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. You found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently, bearing up for my name's sake. You've not grown weary. Man, he is telling this. He is commending this church for their, for their doctrinal stances, for standing against false teaching, for being busy in the work, for not giving out, for being in, and having this, this persistence. But then verse 4, he says, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from this place unless you repent. And so Jesus tells this very active, very um, orthodox, uh, standing for the truth kind of church. He tells them, repent. You know, to, to, see, to see yourselves the way God sees. To see that there's sin in the camp. And it's because they've lost their first love. It just amazes me. I, didn't, I, I still don't expect in verse 4 the response of Jesus to this church to be repent. But it is. And, 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 and realize you've lost your love for Jesus that you can experience. That becomes the extension of his ministry in this world as you love like Jesus in the world. And Jesus says that love is central. And we need to we need to make sure that we're not missing that good part as we go along. In the busyness of my Christianity, could it be that I'm like Martha in Luke chapter 10? And is it possible for me that the very way that I'm serving Jesus could be drawing me away from him, not drawing me 
closer to him. John 15, 5 is a great verse. I memorized it a long time ago. Uh, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And sometimes that verse really gets to me as a pastor because I think if what I am doing is not stemming out of me abiding in him, it is going to bear no spiritual fruit. And man, there's been times in my life I've just had to ask myself, could it be that a lot of what I'm up to in my life really amounts to nothing because it doesn't come from my heart abiding in him? The second phrase that causes Christians to be in danger of missing the good part, the first, the first phrase is that we can be distracted with our serving, okay? The second phrase is in verse 41 when he says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Anxious, again, means to be drawn away, but it means to be drawn away in multiple directions at once. Not just drawn away from Jesus, but just it's just like, ah, you know? That's anxious, okay? And then he says troubled, and that word troubled has to do with being in an inward uproar. And, and, and like everything's unsettled inside of me, and I, I don't have anything grounding me to the truth. And, and he was saying to Martha that day, day that she is anxious and going many directions at once, and she's not grounded in anything that really, it, it, it would be her rock, you see. It's as if Jesus is saying to Martha, man, you are so overextended, you're so uptight, uh, you're so overreaching, you're, so, you're in such a tizzy over things that don't really matter is what he was telling. Not that we would ever be like that, right? You know? And the issue here is priority. Unimportant things had become the most important things to Martha on that one day. And unimportant things were demanding her emotional and her mental focus. Jesus was in her home. He had food and a clean house, but he didn't have her heart. Wow. You know, is, is, could it ever be that Jesus has all kinds of activity, but he doesn't have us? And so the real question is, what about you and me? Have any of us, are, are, you know, become so preoccupied with secondary matters that that life that is just abiding in Jesus is no longer the priority of our life? I think it's easy to do. It's called the shrunken heart syndrome. The way that I serve Jesus actually shrinks my heart for him inside. And it can happen to us. I remember one day I was with a pastor friend. And um, I was just checking in on him. Hey, how's it going? Things like that. And he said, oh, man, it's been a horrible season. And he started telling me about all kinds of disappointments and discouragements that he had and, and some frustrations about uh, the ministry that he was involved in. I looked at him and I said, well, how's your relationship with the Lord, you know, your time with Jesus? And he looked at me and hung his head and said, you know, I hardly ever even pray. Jesus said to Martha in verse 42, but one thing is necessary. This is what's really needed. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Uh, by the way, Mary chose it. <laughs> I, I think about um, our abiding in Jesus and our um, connection to Jesus Christ. 
And I believe it's like growing in any relationship. It takes some choices. You know, if we're really going to grow in a relationship with each other, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some, some positive choices of, of growing that relationship. And same thing with Jesus Christ. It's going to take some choices that we make to continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and, and, and just as we can make a choice to grow in our communion and, and in our connection to Jesus, we can make some choices to not do that, too. Um, years ago, I, I made a decision in my life, and that's that I'm going to start every day um, with a word from God and, 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 and then, and then um, tell, telling God where I'm at. Uh, the, the way I put it through the years is, uh, I want to speak to the Lord before I speak to anyone, and I want to hear from the Lord before I hear from anyone. Um, and I, I got to admit, sometimes I say something to Jesus, G, uh, to Gina before I say something to Jesus. But um, you know, that was just a commitment that I had made, and um, it, it was a choice, um, and that I would talk to God before I talk to anyone, listen to God before I listen to anyone. And, and start to say, so over the years, I developed a list, and, and I got some input from other, uh, other people, other pastors, and different people on this. But the list that I made, it's not original with me, but it is one that I like to go back through from time to time. And so here, here's my list on why keep my connection to Jesus the priority of my life? Why do that? And so here's number one on my list Jesus did. You know, why keep my devotional life a protected priority? Jesus did, and I'm committed to follow him. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Does anybody remember what was going on in, in Mark chapter 1 when this happened? Anybody remember? Probably some. I'm not going to ask you. Um, but... Uh, what was going on is, is Jesus had just started his earthly ministry, Mark chapter 1. He, he, was, he was in a village, and people had been healed, and they'd heard about the kingdom of God, and they were all excited about that. So all these people gather back at this village over here. Jesus goes out. He prays in a solitary place. The, the disciples come and say, Jesus, all these people are over here gathered again for you to come to them. And he said to them, we're not going there today. We're going over here. This is where the Father's leading us. It's like Jesus just had this relationship with the Father. He's only going to do what the Father is, is, is sharing with him. In Luke 5, 7, 16, we read, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. There were some times where the Bible records that Jesus spent all night in prayer. By the way, the next verse after this Mary and Martha story, uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Have you ever noticed that that was the next thing that happened? You know, they're, they're, they, they, they hear Jesus talk to Martha and Mary and, and about how Mary's got the good part. And the next thing they're doing is they're saying, Jesus, teach us how to pray. <laughs> I think that's one reason why I want to keep my connection to the Lord a priority in my life. Jesus kept his connection with the Father. A priority in his life. Uh, a second thing, um, it, it gives me spiritual knowledge and perspective when I keep this connection with Jesus a priority. 
When my devotional life is prioritized in my life, my personal life is more spiritually oriented. I think differently, I process differently, I go through a problem, and, and when, I'm, when I'm connected to the Lord, when I go through a problem, I think, what's God trying to teach me here? How can I apply matters of the faith here? Uh, you know, when I, when I sense that there's blessings in life, I say, oh, Lord, man, you are just so good to me. When my devotional life is not prioritized in my life, I get spiritually sluggish. I go through a problem and I just get frustrated and it's like, man, this is never going to work out. I go, I go through a, a, a time of blessings and I don't even realize that God is blessing me because I'm not walking in communion. Um, you know, one of the things that I said earlier is I, I like to talk to the Lord before I talk to anybody and uh, speak to the Lord before I speak to anybody. And that's kind of been the commitment. And, um, you know, through this time of moving, um, and, you know, we were several weeks in transition and we just moved into a new house and, my, and, and a new way of doing ministry for me personally. And it's been like my whole routine has been mixed up for the last three or four months. And it's like I just haven't had that sweet spot of where, you know, you're kind of in that routine. And I, I like that, but I'm not there. And so there's been mornings that I've woke up and, 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 and because of the, the schedule of my life, it's like I, I don't I don't. I, for whatever reason, I, I just don't have that time that I really want with the Lord. And, and, and so I went back to doing something I used to do. And that was, even if I only have five minutes, just read five verses and get a nugget from the Word of God to live on, a word for God for the day. And so I started doing that. And I was, I was talking to one of our men's groups about this. And um, <laughs> this happened just a, a couple, three weeks ago. Uh, so I'm back in this routine of I really want a half an hour to 45 minutes with the Lord. But if I only have five minutes, I'm going to read five verses and look for the nugget. So I made that new commitment. I only had five minutes one day. I looked for the nugget. Here's where I was at in my personal Bible reading. I was in 2 Samuel 13. And, and if, you, you know, if you're not familiar with that, the first few verses are about how David, King David's son, Ammon, was infatuated with his half-sister, Tamar. And, and so he's moping around because she's off limits to him. But then he gets this plan from a friend that he's going to act like he's sick so that his half-sister, Tamar, is going to bring him some soup and then he can be alone with her and take advantage of her while they're behind closed doors, okay? Now, my first thought was, as I'm reading through that scripture, my five verses for that day, I only have five minutes, I'm thinking, this is not going to work, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to get a nugget from God here. And then I went back and I reread it, verse 3, and here's what verse 3 says. But Hammon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, uh, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, and Jonadab was very, a very crafty man. And he said to him, O son of the king, why are you so haggard morning, uh, morning after morning? Oh, will, you not, will you not tell me? Ammon said to him, I love Tamar. And he didn't really love her. He just lusted after her. I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Jonadab said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father, King David, comes to see you, say to him, let my sister Tamar come and give me bread to eat and prepare food in my sight that I may see it and eat it from her hand. It was, it was a friend who counseled him to take advantage 
of his half-sister. And, and so I got to thinking about that, and then I thought, you know what? That is a good word. I want to I make sure that I have around me friends that I can trust are not going to tell me to do whatever crazy, stupid thing I want to do, but I'm going to have friends around me that are going to be seeking God's best for me in my life. And then I thought, you know what? I want to be the kind of friend that is always going to be there to help someone glorify God, not to help someone go by down some path that's going to be destructive for them. And I thought, you know what, that's a good word. And I can live on that word all day today that I'm going to make sure that the people that are speaking into my life are godly, and I'm going to make sure that I'm speaking into other people's lives godly. And so, uh, you know, why keep our devotional life a protected priority, you know? And, you know, it helps us have spiritual knowledge and perspective as we go. Um. Here, here's the third one. Uh, I want to keep my, my, my connection to Christ a protected priority because it gives me personal cleansing and it strengthens me against sin and Satan's snares. Uh, a part of the power of a connecting spiritually with our Lord is spiritual reflection, confession, and commitment. In Psalms 139, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. For those who do not prioritize connecting with, with our Lord and God, when are we going to get still enough to hear his voice and to sense his conviction? Because it seems to me like we all live at a pretty busy pace and we try to fill our lives with probably too many things. And unless we can discipline ourselves enough to stop and be quiet, we're going to miss the gift of confession and cleansing being active in our lives. You know, uh, Psalms 46.1 been a favorite verse of mine. Be still and know that I'm God. My, my personal time with the Lord, it, purge, it purges me. And it also grows me. Um, we were talking in the uh, adult Bible time about um, praying the Acts acrostic. Um, the A is for adoration. And so praising God for who God is out of whatever you're, you're intaking from the word of God. God, you're, you know, the, the, you know, the sovereign ruler, you're, you're my rock, you're my redeemer, and, and praising him. The C stands for confession, then the, the T would be thanking God for particular things that uh, he brings to remembrance that I need to be thankful for, and then the S for supplication as we offer our prayers, uh, realizing that we are dependent on him. But let me go back to the C one, on, on the confession. And one of the things that God has been leading me to do for years is to write out my prayers and write out confessions. And I've been doing this for, man, I, I think, you know, when I moved, I, I, I never go back and read my, my prayer journals, but it's like I can't throw them away. And so I got these, this, this huge box full of prayer journals from, and, and some of you are going to laugh at this because you're not even this old yet, but from back in the 19, early 1990s. Okay, and so I got these, but I never do anything with them except for lug them from place to place. Um, but 
in those, in those confessions that I write out, it would be things like this. I, I always start out with these words. I confess. And then I say, God, search my heart, okay? And it's like, this is for real. You were a little short with your wife yesterday. Sorry, Gina. Um, and then I, I'll write this. I'll write, yeah, I, I was short with my wife yesterday. I raised my voice. I yelled at my wife. Oh, God, that's not the man I want to be. That's not who you've called me to be. And, and, and you know, it purges my soul. I, I, I can receive God's forgiveness. I can sense God's power. I can live beyond this by Christ who strengthens me. And so um, that's kind of the way it works for me. Trust his power uh, in that. Here's a fourth one. Um, keeping this connection to Christ central, it connects me with spiritual power. Uh, you know, have you ever noticed that as you live disciplined and connecting to the Lord, you're more connected to just the power of God at work in your life? Um, you know, God's power to lead us, his power to call us, his power to cleanse us, his power to uh, stir us forward. Um, Romans 12, 1 and 2, favorite verses of mine. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, uh, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so our worship is not just songs that we, we sing and praises that we give to God. Our, part of our worship is our surrender. God, you have me. You have, you have all of who I am. I'm, I'm just yours, surrendered before you. And then he says this. He says, as we surrender, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed and the way that we're transformed is by a renewal of our mind to think the thoughts of God instead of our own thoughts, that by testing you may discern what, the will, uh, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And God begins to transform our lives as we get close to him and abide with him. And there's this whole change in our life. We, we become more like Jesus, and that's what God's up to us. And again, it goes back to our service. And, and it's not that our service isn't important, but it's our service to the Lord out of what we do for him or is our service out of him in our life changing our character that he could live in and through us and do service through us instead of us doing service for him and so th th there's this power of transformation that comes to us as we connect with the Lord in, in our own personal lives the, the way it puts it in Jeremiah 33 3 part of this power come to me and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't know have you ever gone to the Lord and said, Lord, I just need some help, you know? Uh, and, and again, John 15, 5, Jesus is the vine, we're the branch. It's as we abide in him that we bear fruit, because apart from him we can do nothing, you know? The way James put it is, you have not because you ask not. Over again, the Bible teaches us that God works through us as we connect to him. I don't know about you, but I, I want to I I know the adventure of Christianity. I don't want to just kind of do Christian things. I want to know what it is to be fully surrendered. Him having all of me. Him at work in my life daily and minute by minute. You know, when I'm talking to somebody, I want, I want him to be talking through me. You know, when I'm ministering, I want his, his love living through me. 
I want that adventure. By the way, um, when, when the early church was getting formed, Jesus just told them to pray, and then the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll be my witnesses then. Not go out and be a bunch of witnesses and hope that it all works out okay. He told them to wait. When the persecution came, what did they do? They prayed, and the place where they prayed was shaken, and they went out and spoke with boldness. It was like the there, there was something about being with Jesus that connected them to the power of God. I'm not sure how it all works, but it seems to me like that's pretty consistent through the word. When Peter was in jail, the church gathers and prays, and what happens? Peter was miraculously released, and we know that they had a little trouble believing that, you know? So they're kind of like us, I, I think, a little bit, you know? When Jesus was, was troubled, the night before his crucifixion, he spent all night in prayer that the power of God would be released in him. Somebody made a list one time of, of, of some things. Let me just read you the list. Um, mostly the ones out of James is what I'm going to read. Uh, prayer is the way that you acquire wisdom, and that's in James 1, verse 5. Uh, prayer is the way that you defeat the devil. That's in James chapter 4, verse 7. Prayer is the way that when we get backsliding, sliding, we, we can be restored, and that's in James chapter 5, verse 16 and following. Um, uh, prayer, prayer is how we can cure, you know, we, 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 can, we, can, we can heal uh, ultimately the sick, and that's in James 5, 13. Uh, by the way, Jesus told us if we really want people out on the mission field, we ought to be praying about it. That was in Matthew. So anyway... Why keep my communion with Christ a protected priority? Well, one is Jesus did, and I'm committed to follow him. It gives me spiritual knowledge and perspective. It gives me personal cleansing, strengthens me against sin and Satan's snares. It gives spiritual power. And the last one is it gives an opportunity to experience and acknowledge miracles. And I don't know if you've ever done this and just log things in your prayer journal and then how Christ has answered those or how he's worked in your life through certain situations. Because I believe sometimes God does not answer our prayers the way we pray. And he, he answers them the way they need to be for his honor and for his glory. But we can begin to recognize those things as we take things to God in prayer. And then we look back over some things and we say, man, how mighty God is. I wasn't going to tell you this, but I think I will. Since you came on a Memorial Day weekend, when Gene and I, when we were praying about coming here and being the discipleship pastor and wife of this church and working as a team, um, we wrote down certain specific prayer requests along the way. And I don't remember, Gina, how many it was, but I think it was like 15 specific answers. I was slow on the uptake, okay? But it was like 15 specific answers. To certain things that we felt like was far beyond us. Um, man, God is so good to us. Okay, so in all of Martha's preoccupation and busyness on one day out of her life, she almost missed just being in fellowship with Jesus. And wouldn't it be sad if, if we would take days and then weeks and then months and then even years and, and, and be doing our Christian faith and going to church and being involved in some things, but miss that fellowship with Jesus. And so that's the burden of my heart today. Don't miss the good part. Don't miss the good portion 
of being connected to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me end with this, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus said to one church that needed him to be active in their lives, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. I like the way the King James Version puts it. It says, I will sup with him and he with me. And that's what the word means. It means that evening supper, relational, not just about the physical food, but about the relationship where we sit down to a meal together and share fellowship. Jesus said, man, I'm, I'm standing. If you know me, I'm standing at your door and I'm knocking. And I'm saying, let's sup together, you know? Let's be together. James said in James 4, 4, draw near to God. God draws near to you. <laughs> Two questions. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is Christianity to you about a Savior who died for you and offered you an opportunity to be part of the kingdom of God when in our own sin, in our own failures before a perfect holy God, we don't deserve it? Do you know Jesus and the joy of being part of his family? And you can. And you can ask somebody here about that today. Uh, you know, how can I walk with Jesus daily if I don't know him personally? Well, you can. And you can ask us today. And we want to lead you to that relationship. Most of us have that relationship with Jesus Christ. And my question to you today is, are you choosing to develop that relationship? Don't miss the good part. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for how you um, reach out to us. God, I thank you for that verse that says, when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. I thank you for those times in my life when I've taken one step towards you. It's like you took a thousand towards me. I thank you, God, that you, you want to work in my life and you want to work in our lives. And I pray that you would protect us from making something as sweet and significant as a personal relationship with an almighty, all-holy God into just something that we do or try to do for you. Oh God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for throwing open the doors of your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to you. Some of us maybe really need a renewal today. Father, I pray that you would have your way in Christ's name, amen.